Psalm 40. It is glorious to sing of the salvation that is ours through Jesus Christ. The goodness of God that has been existing through all ages, that has manifested itself most clearly, beautifully, satisfyingly, eternally in the person of Jesus Christ. His life, his rejection, his sacrificial death, his burial, his resurrection, and then his ascension to the right hand of God, where he waits. He sits at the right hand of God until he makes his enemies his footstool. You'll remember that the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. That day is coming, friends, when the last enemy is destroyed. And at the end of that, what we have left is all the believers of all generations united together in one, in Christ. We call that the fullness of the times. That day is coming. Are you looking forward to it? We celebrate all of these things via song. All the things I just talked about. We preach about them. We read about them. But we sing about them. Singing is such an important part of the Christian life. Some people may be less reticent to sing because they don't think they have a good singing voice. You're, if, if you're one of those, you're missing out. Because your singing voice is not the issue. Think about to whom about whom and for whom you're singing. There is a glorious nature to praise. Psalm 40 is another of many passages of Scripture and many psalms that really gives us joyful thoughts concerning praise, singing to the Lord, and about what. So I'm going to read the psalm in its entirety, and then we're going to go back and look at just a few elements of it. Psalm 40, beginning in verse 1. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined his ear to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me uh, beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me and I, I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame 
and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha! Aha! But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord! As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought from me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Oh my God, what a, a song of praise. He starts off by talking about the glory of past deliverance. And so I think we, we can learn from that. We must and we should glory in God's past deliverances. He says, I waited patiently for the Lord. And then it says, he inclined his ear to me. Here I am. I'm crying out to God, the God who created me, the God who created the world, the God who we know is all-powerful, all-knowing. He's all-wise. He's everywhere present. He's perfectly holy. He is a righteous God. He does all the right things. And he is just. He requires right things from us. That one, I cried to him. When it says he inclined his ear, it's almost like he's, he's, he's giving us the, the bend over. You know, when you have your child and they're just, maybe they're hurt and they're, they're kind of just trying to say something and you can't really hear it, you do the forward lean, right? You go right into them. What, what, what's going on? Your, your hands are on them or, or you're, you're kind of scooping up in your arms. You want to hear. There's this inclination toward them. That's the kind of picture we get here. I waited patiently for the Lord and he heard me. You almost get that same sense of what you get at the beginning of the book of Exodus, where the people of Israel are languishing in the land of Egypt, and they're oppressed, they're in bondage, and they cry out to the Lord. It says that on a number of occasions, and a number of occasions it says, and the Lord heard them. This is the God. This is the God that we worship. This is the God we sing about. This is the God we sing to. This is the God we sing for. The one who... who in, even in our frail, rebellious, broken state, he condescends to hear us. It, it is a glorious thing. There's a deliverance here. He heard my cry. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, it says. He drew me up from the horrible pit or the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and he set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. So he took me from peril, insecurity, and danger, and he places me securely. Now, he doesn't say it here, but we know who the rock is. We used to sing about this, I don't know, a long time ago, Jesus is the rock of my salvation. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's true, right? Jesus is the rock. He's the one that is our sure foundation. He's, we're secure in him. He's taken us from peril, and he, he's rescued us. Verse 3. This is a key idea in the whole psalm. He, God, Put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. And as he talks about this, a little later on in this, he, he starts to talk very specifically about some of God's character traits. Now, if, if someone said to you, hey, tell me about your God. Now, I wish that people would come and say that to me all the time. Like, that, I wish that'd be the best question that anyone could ask me. Hey, tell me about your God. If someone did ask you that question, what would you say? What would you say? I hope, there, I hope you would have so much to say you couldn't capsulize it in a, in a couple of moments. But 
I also hope at the same time that you would have some key little bullet points that you'd be able to pull out straightway to tell something that represents who he is since you don't have the rest of eternity to talk to that person and that question. You'd want to be able to, to capsulize who he is. As we look a little further in the psalm, he talks about this God bringing glory to God because of past deliverance. Then in verses 6 through 8, we see this demonstration of a willing surrender to God. And now you know that this is quoted in the book of Hebrews regarding our Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean it doesn't apply to David. It certainly has that first application. David said, you know, God, I know that you have me here for a purpose, and I am here to do your will and not my own. So there's that beautiful surrendered spirit that we try to talk about regularly, whether under the guise or the phrase, fear of the Lord in the Old Testament, or in the New Testament, walk in the Spirit, or walk by grace, or walk by faith. Those, those catchphrases we have in the Scriptures that all capsulize a surrender of our heart and mind and will to God. The psalmist has it, and then it applies to the Lord Jesus. We have a, a surrender of our will. As you come to the, the last section of the psalm, we must declare the goodness of the Lord. We must, we must declare the goodness of the Lord. Now, who put this song in our heart? He put this song in our mouth. When he redeemed us, when he rescued us, when he wiped out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, that was contrary to us. When he did that, he, he gave us his spirit. And the spirit has a song for us. It's a song of salvation, it's a song of joy, it's a song of, of thanksgiving. He says in verse 9, I have told the glad news of deliverance. Now that's one translation. The original says righteousness. I have told the glad news of righteousness in the great congregation. I'm speaking of God's righteousness. When you think of God's righteousness, what is it that you're thinking about? You're thinking about everything he does is right, always and forever, without fail. Every act, every deed is always right. We tell the good news, the gospel of God's righteousness. He goes on and he says, Actually, right in that first phrase of verse 9, I have told, I have proclaimed, is another way that it's read. read. It's, it's the Hebrew equivalent of the Greek term keruso. Does anyone know what keruso means? It means to preach. He says, I am preaching the gospel. I'm preaching the good news of God's deliverance, of God's righteous acts, of who God is, and how always he's right. And then he says, uh, I, I can't restrain my lips. I have not restrained my lips. I would say, I, I can't restrain my lips. I can't restrain my lips. Why? You'll remember the, the apostles, when they were confronted with, uh, with the, the authorities, and they said, okay, we're going to let you go. We'll beat you and we'll let you go. Don't talk anymore about that Jesus. So Peter and John answered and said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. What do you think that means? <laughs> For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Paul says it a little bit differently in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. He says, For I 
if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe to me if I do not preach the gospel. Now, remember this. Excuse me for a second. Oh, my tissues are gone. Thank you. Um, remember this, that when the Spirit is controlling our lives, there is immediate response. The immediate response to the Spirit's filling us in Ephesians 5.18 is where it talks about filling. Verse 19, speaking to yourselves in what? Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. When the Spirit fills His people, there's a song in our heart. And so we remember a a, a, a song, I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the theme of my song. I want to point out just a couple more things before we conclude our time in the Word. There is a pattern in the Psalms about where this praise takes place. You might think that it's to go out on the hilltops. That is also true. But that is not the emphasis that is so often recorded in the Psalms. I want to just quickly go through a number of Psalms, one of which it says it here in this text. It says in verse 10, I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. You see we're saying that? As you look through the Psalms, in Psalm 22, 25, uh, the Bible says this, from you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. In Psalm 26, in verse 12, the Bible says, My foot stands on level ground. In the great assembly I will bless the Lord. In Psalm 35, in verse 18, the Bible says, I will thank you in the great congregation. In the mighty throng I will praise you. In Psalm 111, in verse 1, Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. He goes on in Psalm 149 in verse 1, a very similar concept. He says, praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song, his praise in the assembly of the godly. Why? Why come among the people who already know the gladness and the goodness and the righteousness and the holiness and the faithfulness and the steadfast love? They already know the gospel. Why come to the congregation and sing the gospel? Why? We need that refreshment. This is the place where our praises are full and dominant and overwhelming. And you know what? It cascades out the door with us. That song stays with us, and it spills over to a world that needs it. But who needs it first? I do. Don't discount what we do via song. It is of utmost importance. Psalm 34 talks about it. We, we looked, covered this a couple of weeks ago in our morning service when we talked about the praise of the redeemed. He says this in Psalm 34. Verses 1 through 3. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble <coughs> excuse me, hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us 
exalt his name together. This is a charge from God for the people of God that we would come together and exalt God's name together. He is worthy of that. And what <laughs> excuse me, the psalmist does here in Psalm 40 is, is this is exactly what he's doing. If you look in, <coughs> goodness, having fun with this cough, verses 9 and following, I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, <coughs> I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from your great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever uh, preserve me. He goes on and talks about those that are around him and, and that are up against him. And then he says, but may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, will you say it? Great is the Lord. This is our cry. As for me, I am poor and needy. I am, you're great, I'm poor and needy. But the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay. Oh my God, thank you. When you look at this, and, and just capsulizing some of the things that he touches on, he talks about God's righteousness, God's faithfulness, God's salvation, God's long-suffering, God's mercy, God's truth, the fact that he never wavers. Let me ask you a question. Is God for you? Will he ever be against you? Why? Because of Jesus. His steadfast love is unchanging. This is, this is why we can sing with full hearts and full expectations. Not because we're holy and we come in and having purified ourselves and, and now my praise because of me is, is acceptable. No, I'm, I'm pure and holy because of what Christ has done and I come it, through that lens. My, my praise is through that lens of his perfection that has been granted to me, placed upon my account, and then who, and through that, God makes me what he wants me to be. We, we have so much to praise the Lord about. These kinds of events are precious for us. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here to, to worship, to, to meditate, to, to praise. And you know what? In a few days, we're going to be here together on Wednesday night, and guess what we're going to do? We're going to praise the Lord. And guess a few days later, we'll be here on Sunday morning. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to praise the Lord. And we're going to be here on Wednesday. We're going to praise the Lord. We'll be praising him all in between, too, individually, maybe even together, uh, variously. But th this is the, the blessing and the glory of praise. We have this privilege daily. Let's pray together. Father, help us. Help us as we sing this last song that your spirit would, would enable us to sing with understanding with passion, with power about all the things you've done. May you be glorified, may your people be refreshed, and may we leave this place filled with your spirit, with a song on our mouth that we would sing everywhere we go for your glory. In Jesus' name.